Welcome to What Compassion Accomplishes, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse and sexual assault. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Hi, this is Corey Michaels, and this week on What Compassion Accomplishes, I'm so honored to have Becca McGuire in here once again, outreach specialist with the WCA, and one of my favorite people, B. Black, CEO of the WCA. Becca, B., thank you for being in here. Thank you for having us, Corey. Yeah, this well, is an you. honor. Uh, absolutely. No, the honor is all mine, and you know, really this one, I think, uh, Becca, we were talking about it, that you know, we, we really needed to more than just have a quick chat with B because I just I love her story. I love her passion. And so we wanted to have this this time to really be able to introduce B to be able to share with you her passion for the WCA and the cause. So let's start with that, B. Uh, first of all, how long have you been with the WCA? So I have had the privilege of being there now for 13 years, mm-hmm. and um, I tell people that I am one of those blessed individuals that spent 33 years training for this job. I just didn't know this was the job I was training for. <laughs> so that leads us right into what what is your why? It's interesting. I have always had an interest in uh, it's ironic, I guess, in numbers. And so I actually started my career in accounting work, mm. got my CPA degree, and then worked in small entrepreneurial companies, mostly related to accounting and also related to software development. So that was that was really my background. Spent six years have owning a small uh, business downtown. It was called Bees Business Products and Gifts. And then what led me into the nonprofit world is I had the opportunity using that accounting background to become the property manager for the tax credit properties that neighborhood housing services had. So that was really my first foray into nonprofit work and also, frankly, exposure to the grant world and better understanding of a lot of the issues that a large number of our community members around Boise face namely homelessness, uh, the lack of affordable housing. And I think if some of those sound familiar right now, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been there for a long time having to try to figure out, you know, what are we going to do around housing? So with that background, I became aware of the position at the WCA and it just felt like it was something I really wanted to do because to me at the heart of the work that the WCA does is to help individuals find or regain their sense of self-worth. And to me, that is absolutely the most important thing that any of us have 
is our sense of self-worth. If you have it, I believe that you can do anything and overcome any obstacle. If you don't have it, it's really pretty hard to navigate this world. Yeah, I I can't agree more. I've always said your own self-worth, knowing that Mm -hmm. and having hope. Yes. If you have those two things, everything else can be figured out. I agree. And now, so when you first saw this opportunity with the WCA, Mm -hmm. um, what were you first thinking that this was something very different than what you had done in the past, what were you thinking at that moment? It was very different. And I knew that I did not have, obviously, from what I just described, a background in this work. You know, I'm not I'm not a social worker. I've never uh, been a clinician. I had not worked in the social service arena. But I felt that the skills that I did have could be brought to bear in the position of uh, leadership for one main reason, as a leader of an of any nonprofit, one of the most important things that you do is that you engage the community so that you can get the support that you need to be able to enable the work. Uh, I know myself, and I know that I I could not do the work, like you know, go back to school maybe and get a, a clinical back uh, counseling degree or a social work degree. I I would want to bring everybody home with me. So I knew that I really couldn't, I'm not cut out for that, but I felt that given my years of working in sales and working in communication, in working in customer support at that time for the different products that we had, I felt that I could bring those to bear to engage and translate to our community what our needs were and what issues we were dealing with and our clients were dealing with so that we could engage the community in supporting our work. And that's frankly what I told the board at the time when I was going through the interview process is I'm not a subject matter expert, but I am a connector and I know how to translate, if you will, from the the very specific work that we do at the WCA on behalf of clients and those who have suffered trauma to the community to help them understand why do we need your engagement? Why do we need your help? When you got the job mm-hmm. and started uh, started doing the work and started to get immersed into, okay, where have they been? Where where do we need to head? Um, what, was, what was the biggest thing that was a surprise to you? There were a couple of instances that I can remember very vividly that – that really cemented for me why this work is so important and actually changed my thinking on some of the nuances. I, I began to understand much more deeply uh, what does it mean to be trauma-informed, for example, or what does it mean to have a triggering event. Those are words that are sort of thrown around, but I think until you talk to individuals who have been through trauma And you begin to understand on a deeper level how an instance or an act or even sometimes a word or a setting can bring back very painful memories. Um, It's hard to really understand the depth of what goes on and the work that is done. So we were doing a fun run 
I remember. And um, we had a young woman who was volunteering her time as a photographer. And so she came over to me. This was the memorial run that we do the first Sunday in October in honor of Susan Newby. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came over to me, and, and I was thanking her for volunteering her time. And she just looked at me, and she said, well, of course I would. She said, uh, the WCA saved my life. And it just it just sort of took me aback because it it was so it was so moving to me to meet somebody who literally felt that if it hadn't been for our organization, she would no longer be here. And many times over the following twelve years, I have had instances where individuals have come up after outreach presentations or just being out in the community working on events that that we put on where individuals have come up and said, you saved my life or you saved my uh, family member's life or you helped my daughter. And, and that is one of the reasons that I think many of us at the WCA remain so engaged and passionate and really excited and privileged to come to work. Wouldn't you say, Becca? Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And that's very true. We, when we go out in the community and we table, I hear at least one story and we actually tabled this last week um, for Denim Day and a woman came up and she shared her story with me and I had my interns and I was, I told them, I was like, every single time we are out in the community and we are doing something, someone comes up and they say, this happened to me. You saved my life. You helped me realize my worth, things like that. And the important lesson of the work that we are doing at the WCA. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's whenever you're dealing with something that is, can be so emotionally draining because mm-hmm. if you care, which if you are doing this type of work, you better care. And that's yes. why you're in there. <laughs> and through that care, your okay cup starts getting depleted and depleted and depleted and I know for me it's those those little moments like the WCA saved my life um saved my children's life you know what Mm -hmm. those moments of, of affirmation um not that that's why you're doing it but yet it is because Mm -hmm. we're doing this to be able to to save lives and to better the lives and to give hope to so many individuals where hope has probably been gone for a while and so knowing that that is happening knowing that uh that that is successful that that's where the cup starts getting filled back up and it gets you the the emotional and physical energy to keep going now becca i mean you been on a couple of the episodes now i don't know that i ever asked you though i you just started during a pandemic you just started with the wca what what is your why yeah so i started the week we went into our stay-at-home order i think i'd work maybe five hours in the office and had to go home but um, I actually was an outreach volunteer for four years before this position. Ah, okay. So I watched the hunting ground back in 2016 for a denim day event. And I, after watching that movie, I truly was taken aback with the horror that I had just seen. And it, 
I knew leaving watching that movie that I needed to do something because there is no way that I can continue to let sexual assault happen or domestic abuse happen. And just knowing that there's a organization in Boise that can help. I knew that I had to do something, whatever that was. So here I am. And we are so grateful. Thank you. (laughs) I love my job. I love the work that we do. I love the community that we are in and the ways that we can make Boise a better place. That's what every individual should strive for is just making, making this world, our world, a safer, better place. And we've got a ways to go, but you know what? The, the more we can just keep on going, the closer Mm -hmm. that we'll get to that day. I would agree with you. And, and I do think part of getting closer, and this is what we try so hard to do, right, Becca, is to help individuals understand what are the nuances around abuse, right? What is it that, what is it that, that really means? I know when I was growing up, I remember reading about uh, victims of physical violence, but I know that I never really thought about uh, domestic violence other than physical violence. And so when you talk about our mission statement of safety, healing, and freedom, we talk about domestic abuse and sexual assault. And so the reason we use abuse is for the reason that abuse is so much larger than just physical. And it comes back to what we talked about before, our why, which is when you think about the loss of the sense of self, it can happen in very subtle ways. And it is that eroding of the sense of self-worth that ultimately allows one person to control the actions of another. And it can be done through exerting financial control mm-hmm. and abuse. It can be done by belittling somebody. Uh, it can it can be done in so many ways. I, I remember, again, another instance. I think I'd been at the WCA for about three years, and we had a young woman and it was in one of the smaller school districts where they had a, I believe it was junior high through high school. So it was a, a number of grades. And she approached us. She wanted us to come and do a presentation at her school. And this was before we had all of the the work that we've done now with the youth, right? So it was just our regular presentation about us as an organization and what we do. But she wanted us to come because she had been very close to committing suicide because she had been in an abusive relationship. And the thing that struck me about that is that she was being abused by her, so described, boyfriend through her phone. And for me, abuse somebody through a phone was such a foreign concept to me. But she would have to take a picture of herself before she went to school. Her boyfriend would weigh in on whether that was acceptable or not. And if it wasn't, then she would have to change clothes. So it was this constant belittling and, uh-huh. and you know, you're so lucky to have me, right? All this controlling behavior. And thank goodness she was close enough to her family that when she finally got to the point where she really was considering um, leaving the world, she did uh, talk to her family and they were able to intervene and take action. And as a result of that, she wanted to talk to her classmates and her uh, her schoolmates and just say, you know, th- you need to reach out if you 
if you experience something like this. So that's another instance that really helped me better, even better understand how subtle this can be and how important it is. You know, when one of your first podcasts was with our with our young with our young folks and why it's so important for us to listen to them and to not brush aside or belittle the ways that they interact and the things that they find important. Because um, if we do that, we are going to lose them, maybe not physically, but we are going to lose them in terms of any kind of message we have. B, that's a beautiful way to put it in something that until you just said that, I hadn't thought about that for a while now. But Becca, you see the other side. You don't know a world we're not saying you're a child by any means, <laughs> uh, but literally you don't know a world without cell phones and computers and the internet. So before, when we talked about abuse, yes, it was the, the big three. It was physical, it was mental and verbal, it was financial. But now, mm-hmm. now we have started adding, adding more and more layers where abuse can come in through text messaging, through controlling them, through low-jacking the spouse's phone or car. Yep. I had a situation with a friend not a year or so ago where the ex-husband had put a tracking device on her car. And so all of this technology that has now added more and more ways to be able to access someone if they're, if they're being stalked. It scares me. Well, it really has. And, you know, any tool that we have, because really technology, it it just has manifested itself in many different tools. Any tool that we have can be used for bad or it can be used for good. Of course. Right? And one of the issues is the bad stuff that is done can happen faster and be spread more widely. Mm -hmm. So um, you have an action that took place in the old days when I was growing up. And you'd have to have it be reported if it was going to get out to the to the public, right? And uh, that would be limiting who would actually see it and know about it. In today's world, that's not the case. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the times with technology and abuse, a lot of the times victims have no idea it's even happening. Mm-hmm. Even just there are apps that people can download and hide yep. and record phone calls and a lot of the times people have no idea that this is even happening to them. It's really scary. It our, is scary, yeah. Our court advocates uh, deal with that a lot, and they they work with individuals to try to help them. As Becca said, they don't even know, and so they try to help them figure out, are they actually being tracked? Is there something that has happened or been changed on their phone so that they've lost their, their privacy, really. Well, and I think that uh, if we hadn't already had that on the, the list of, <laughs> mm-hmm. of topics to come for what compassion accomplishes, I, I think that's a real good one to add to the list is mm-hmm. really to get in, go in a little more in-depth into technology and abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be a lot more subtle, like we had said, in the ways that that abuse can start and how it can escalate ways to be able to to look for those those things those those key little elements that are happening around you that maybe you just brush under the the rug but no you have to really actually pay attention to those things Mm -hmm. and for our children for ourselves but yeah i think that's a great topic we'll get more into that 
I appreciate you both for being in here and, and being on this episode of what compassion accomplishes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Corey. Really thank you so it. much, B. I'm so happy that you were able to join us today. Well, it is my pleasure, and I would join the two of you anytime. Perfect. All right. Well, down in the description, uh, any links, uh, of course, the helplines, the national helpline, all of that is in there. And we will talk on the next episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline 208-343-7025.